Welcome back to Life in Bites podcast, the place where you learn, get inspiration, find motivation and get ready to live a life lived better. Here we talk about holistic lifestyle, which means physical health, emotional balance and stress management, mental health and mindset, relationships, soul and spirituality, money and career. I'm Cristina Popescu, the host of Life in Bites podcast. I'm a wife, mother of three, holistic coach and stress management strategist. My goal is to help you free yourself for the need of being perfect and instead embrace life one bite at a time in just the right amount so you can enjoy, live, rest and love the way you choose. I have with me today a dear friend, Fred Stover, a father, pastor and veteran from the US Army. After he retired from the Army, suffering from PTSD, he tried to commit suicide several times. Fortunately, he survived, got saved by God, and became a Christian. He moved to Romania as a missionary. He started Pregnancy Crisis Center and saved lives of many, many babies. He still lives in Romania, and he seems to love it. Our goal is to give you hope in case you battle mental health issues like stress, depression, anxiety, PTSD, or if you think or plan to commit suicide. Our only goal is to give you hope and let you know that you are not alone. Do you know someone who suffer? Send them this podcast. It may be the very thing that saved their life. And when we say that, as survivors, we know that sometimes it takes one click or one person to save someone's life. And help us to know you listen by subscribing, leave a comment and a review. And we are looking forward to meet you in the comment section. So let's begin. Are we going to talk mental health? It's, it's something that is in my mind. While some people try to kill themselves, they others try to survive. Mm-hmm. What do you want to say about this? Those who want to kill themselves and those that want to survive. I think everybody wants to survive, but we get overwhelmed so much that you just no longer can survive. And like I said, you know, I have my children, so even though I get overwhelmed, I still have to survive because of them. Yeah. And yeah, so it's so. amazing how many people um, get in the point to think of committing suicide or trying. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was there, when the picture that the world is better without me was clear, perfectly clear in my mind, then I just gave up and then I made the plan and then that peace and quietness and everything was perfect, mm-hmm. just settled. And then when I was on the roof of the house and I saw that if I jump, I'm not going to die, frustration was huge. And then I had to take the decision, am I going to live or am I going to die, but different. Mm-hmm. And when I decided to the, to live with a purpose and do something out of it, somehow, I don't know, my brain looked for a backup. And when I start healing, the pain starts again, but different. Did you experience that? Yeah. You know, we're all different, but we're all the same. And we all have different things. You know, I told you about yesterday about how uh, one time I came just so yeah I drank all the chemicals and everything else and should have died and it's amazing like you said when I went down and sat down by my roommate's door peace and a calmness came over me like I had never ever felt in maybe my life I don't know it was just like ton of bricks was just lifted off my chest and off my the best way you can probably describe it would be freedom. Mm-hmm. You were free. All this pain, all this hurt, 
was gone. You finally have the solution. Mm -hmm. After, you know, you know, my roommate was very curious because I was... Too peaceful? Yeah. To be true? So he uh, investigated and then called the police and the ambulance, which was a major thing and a major... It was a big risk on him because he was probably sitting around the house smoking marijuana. <laughs> and uh, at that time, you know, it was very much illegal. So, you know, he could have just hauled me outside or something, I guess. Which is another thing, you know, we don't look at the people that love us. And when I woke up, you know, in the hospital the next day, all you can think is, well, here I am again, and here we go again. How did you get there? Get where? To suicide? Mm -hmm. You know, through my military career and everything that happened in it, and then I uh, had went through a divorce just uh, probably a year before that. So, you know, I lost contact with my son. Well, I would still see him every other weekend, but, you know, when you live with someone and you're used to seeing them, it's a very stressing, a very depressing time. And of course, I self-medicated with alcohol and marijuana, which, you know, are downers anyways. So next thing I know is just, there's just so much pain in your life, so much regret, so much you can't change that you just want to get rid of it all. You don't know how to get rid of it. You don't know how to deal with it. All you know is you just cannot stand it any longer. And you just want to get that peace that comes only when you get to that point, that releasing. And uh, now that I'm Christian, I'm saved. There's just, and going through another divorce or being divorced for the second time where I spent so much more time with my children and everything. I mean... I was there almost every day of their life and losing that and everything else that came with that. It really pushed me back to that edge again. I was so close a couple times. And again, the only thing that still keeps me to this day from not just saying, well, forget all this. I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm ready to get out of here. I'm tired of, heal of all this pain and everything else is my children because I just cannot do that to them. I just could not put them through that hurt and that pain and everything else that would go to that child, through that child's mind. When I got divorced from Adela, you know, my second wife, I told her, I said, you have, you come from a married family. You have no, no idea what divorce does to small children. My parents were divorced for a while, so I knew what was involved with that and how it impacts a young child's life but yeah we still went through it i think i'm getting kind of off the beaten track a little bit but it all revolves into our pain yeah god on the other hand is always there for our pain and if we can honestly turn our lives back to god and trust in him he will make a way for us he will dig us out of this hole but we have to be willing to follow him and trust in him I remember walking here in Holland over by the windmills one time. This is before I got married. And I'm walking down by the windmills enjoying the beautiful day. And I told God, I said, you know, God, I sure wish I had somebody to share this with. I would love a wife. And uh, I'll never forget, he told me, he says, uh, is it so bad that you just enjoy life with me for a while? And uh, do you think I'm so small that I cannot bring you back here with someone else? He says, why don't you just relax? Enjoy life with me now. Let me 
be your love. It's hard to do that, right? It is. We it trust is. a God which is invisible with our physical eyes, and we just need to trust. And when you are hurt and you go through pain, yes, we do have a trust issue. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's why we speak the same language so But, good. Because people we love and trusted They have hurt, hurt us. us, and that is most. Yep, and it's so it's so hard to get that trust, I guess, back yeah. and from anybody, you know. Yeah, it's just if they are humans, they can hurt, and then we see God through the eyes of what we see, mm-hmm. especially our parents. Mm-hmm. And then it's just gone, and that pain is so big. So when I'm thinking of me, when I try to trust God, when I trust God, it's just a problem of the mind, because my heart is like, no, don't trust, because you get hurt again. It's just when people are hurt, choice to trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I often think if I was ever to fall in love again, how much that would be in the back of my head. Because I think about you know my first wife, who I very much loved and everything else. You know, I was in the military at that time, and uh, I remember stopping and talking to my mother one time, and I was in love, and I told her, I said, "Wow, the skies are brighter now," and. Everything is so nice. It's just amazing. And she says, "Ha, ah, no, you're just sober." <laughs> and I said, "I said no." Of course, I did stop drinking when I met my first wife. I wasn't such a the army playboy then, but uh, it was just amazed me how. And I think it was the first time I found true love. So I built all that trust in her, and I put all that trust in her that she wouldn't hurt me. And that's the saddest thing because the people that we put the most trust in that we think these people are not going to hurt me. They're all it seems like they're always the ones that hurt us. You know, I told you about when Adela and I got married, how the Christian church really just turned on us with fangs and everything else and just it was horrible. And that hurt me so bad because these are Christians. These are people of the same belief as me, same faith, love the same Jesus Christ and everything else. But all of a sudden, they're not sending love my way anymore. They're judging me. They're hurting me. You know, we all know that there's more than physical abuse. There's also mental abuse and everything. That's the biggest one. Yeah. And yeah, even when, you know, with that movie we watched yesterday, Mercy Me, where he was getting beaten all the time and he would look You know, and it's common knowledge that a lot of times people will look forward to that beating just so they can get the love afterwards. Because that's what he, that was the only time he got love from his father was after a beating. He would come back and apologize to him and show him love. But like in your case, there was probably never any of that. It was just the, like you say all the time, it's that person that, and it, it just doesn't compute in our head because it's the person that's supposed to love us. It's the person that when we're down, that's supposed to support us. You don't expect to get that from them, you know? Yeah. And then when it happens, you're like, well, like you said, you know, what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? Why am I getting all this? You know, I told you when I got my second divorce, you know, my wife cheated on me for over a year and a half and then had a baby with another man and told me it was mine. You know, I asked God when I was living in that apartment there, the Cronola virus, Or the coconut virus, whatever you want to call it, 19. <laughs> That would be coronavirus. Yeah, well, to ask me, it's a coconut virus. It'd be just as deadly. 
But <laughs> I'd ask God over and over again. It's not like I never prayed. You know, God, please help me to be a better person. Help me to interact with people better. Why is it that, because I'm also a pastor, why is there pastors, like I know this pastor named Delbert, so full of love, so open, so just, can just spread love everywhere. And when I'm with all these pastors, you know what I do? I go sit in the corner and I keep my mouth shut. I don't talk. I just keep quiet. You just, you know, I would always be in my prayer that, you know, God will help me be more open. Help me be out there, you know, helping more people. If it's a one-on-one like now, not, not even has to be, a, it doesn't even have to be a one-on-one, but, you know, I can be open. I can converse with other people and everything, but. You do. But, you, you know, can. like with Delbert and that, it's just, why can't I be like that? Why can't I show love? Why can't I share love? And other things, but yeah, it never seemed to work out for me. And it was the same prayer with my ex-wife, you know. Why can't you know? She would tell me, "So I'm slipping through your fingers. You're going to lose me if you don't start loving me the way you're supposed to love me." And she told me, you know, as I told you last night, she told me, she says, "Well, you know, I feel like you never loved me." Hmm. And that's the thing with hurt people, especially those of us who suffer so bad, and life seems like just empty. We kind of choose to love, I think. We don't feel it. Or at least we got some so numb mm-hmm. on the way that, yeah. I think our uh, knowledge and vision of what love is, is so overrated, overrated and distorted. Yeah, we don't really know. Well, this is where Jesus and God can come in again. We don't really know what love is. We don't know how to, we don't know how to, how to. Uh, express it. Now I'm speaking from a man's side and you're obviously speaking from a woman's side, which are two totally different sides. That would be an interesting subject to explore. Yeah, because <laughs> it's totally different. And if I could just pound one thing in women's head, a woman's head would be men are not women. We do not think the same way as women, especially I would say the majority of men. We just do not think the same way as women. We don't show love the same as women. There's a book called uh, Love and Honor or something like that. I don't know. Or the Love Languages. I don't know. It's something. But I don't get too much into those books. But it, it tries to show that. But even with that handicap, the difference between men and women, you add your distorted view of what you have been receiving as love. Yeah. And what... You know, like in your case, you were beaten so much, you know? (laughs) So you're just, I would think, be so confused of what love really is that, you know, from an early age, you weren't showed love. You were showed beatings and pain and hurt. And and then with the other side, with the going to church and everything else and say, look at me, I'm a good Christian. Now, you don't know this, but I'm going to go home and beat my child to a pulp. Yeah. You know, or you also have those people who go to church and say, "Oh, well, I'm a good Christian. I I never hurt my children. I never, I never laid a hand upon my child." But that emotional abuse. But then they go home. It's bigger than the physical. And say, what did you do, you stupid little idiot? You are good for nothing. Exactly. Nothing good will come out of your hands. Yeah. Ever. You little pig. Are you ever gonna stop eating? Things like that. You know. I mean, 
these take a toll on the child and it really impacts what they think love is. And what do they do with their children when they get older? They see this is how love worked for me. This is how, you know, my father or my mother, who I love so much, this is how they interacted with me. This is how they showed me love, supposedly. So I'm gonna show you love the same way. And the verbal abuse with children really has to stop. Yes. And the beatings too, of course, but the, the verbal stuff will definitely continue throughout generation to generation because it's so easy to continue and it's not considered so much as And just goes down in your mind, in the back of your head. I remember, as I told you the other day, a bomb will mm-hmm. be easier to manage. A physical war, you see. You see mm-hmm. the bomb comes, explodes something, and you have to run away. But with physical abuse in the house, mm-hmm. when the one that carried you for nine months beat you, um, and then tells you a lot of stuff like you're good for nothing, nothing good comes out of your hand, everything you touch get broken, you just learn, and you hear the, you know, I do all those things because I love you, mm-hmm. and I want you to become something. Mm-hmm. That is so wrong, because what you become then, it's a woman who has a really big problem with the body because that body was something that hurt so bad. Mm-hmm. And then I would be asked, why your best friend is beautiful, is more beautiful than you? That hurt a lot. And then I came in a marriage with these things that I cannot speak about it very easy. And I have to deal with that. And I have to be a wife and then later a mother, go through the all the changes in the pregnancy. And then I just start throwing up because, you know, the only thing I could do is to fix that problem somehow when I, I was overweight after the pregnancies and then I got pregnant again and then we almost lost, almost lost our child mm-hmm. and then I just got like a rock. I couldn't cry for three years and a half, nothing. And then I got pregnant with the third one and then I got depressed. It was just th- that thing in the back of my head that I'm never good enough, everything I touch is going broken comes into my relationship with my husband, in relationships around me, with people, and then just everything that happens, say one more time, yeah, that's right, you are good for nothing. Until now, I always had my own business because I was like, I'm not going to fail publicly. If I'm going to fail, because I always thought I'm not good enough, I'm going to build my own business so I fail in my own garden. But that, after we moved to the Netherlands, I had to learn English by myself, that was another thing. I always felt stupid because I couldn't learn English back home, but I wasn't allowed to study too much. And it's just that emotional abuse, physical went away. I mean, scars heal, but that emotional abuse, what the physical scars does to the brain, just stayed there forever. And it's, it's a line that gets with you forever. Mm-hmm. And later, after postpartum depression, I tried to commit suicide and decided that, well, I'm not going to die, so I have to do something out of it. I've learned that that is called post-traumatic stress disorder. And I was like, what? I've learned about this in university. I've studied psychology. But somehow that abuse was so much of who I am, I never even considered it being abused. For example, I've been bullied since my whole life because I wear glasses now lenses but anyway um, every time I would need to have glasses 
I would be physical or emotional abused because, well, all the money goes on my eyes, even though it's genetical. And then the colleagues, the classmates would bully me because of the glasses. And then later in the universe, in the high school, teachers, because I couldn't speak English. So I finished high school in two years, four in two years, because I was just stubborn. <laughs> I tried to prove myself, knowing that I'm not good enough. I was just, no, I'm going to do this. And I did. But I got bullied for two years. And that was so normal for me. I learned just now in therapy that that's not normal. It was just the way it was and the way how I learned that love feels like. Mm -hmm. So when people would bully me, it was, yeah, well, they see me. How wrong is that? And then when the neighbors started bullying us, I was, yeah, well, that's you. Everything you start get broken. Every relationship you start get broken. And that's so wrong. Because, well, bullying is bullying. And this emotional abuse literally does scars that maybe they will never go away. The only thing we can do is to learn to live with. But that's so wrong. So mm -hmm. if I would say something to the parents, just stop saying things that hurt. Mm -hmm. we, we hurt them anyway. I hurt my kids a lot. Not willing, mm -hmm. but we do. When we are hurt, we hurt. But doing it on purpose, thinking that you toughen them up, you're just broke. Yeah. <laughs> Those kids will be broken forever. And then it's another generation broken if we don't change anything. It's just raising other broken generation. Yes. Thank you for being with us today. Don't forget to hit the share button and share this episode with your friends. Subscribe to be the first one who get to hear the next episode. And if you listen to my website, I'm waiting you on Life Invites community. Let your email address there so you can be updated with the latest tips on how to be healthy in a holistic way from body to mind, soul and relationships. And go in the description below, look at the contact information and connect. We are looking to see you again in the next episode of Life Invites podcast. Mm -hmm.